to. I can tell you some stuff about it, but it never even speaks about that. I tried to find interviews. I looked up Steve Martin as executive producer. It, the internet right. doesn't want to tell you anything. It says that it was on channel. It was tonight at eight on channel four. Um, I believe well, I were seeking of television studios and this uh, television series. And this was like a telemovie to act as the pilot for a series, The Jerk. Well, that makes sense. But what would he do every week? Like drop the dishes every week? I this guess. Tuesday, David drops the dishes again. David! That's right. Nathan. So this pretty much just died, and it did end up on a DVD release of The Jerk. that You get, you buy The Jerk and The Jerk 2. You know, a double. What a bargain. Yeah, but that's that's <laughs> all that really happened with this film. Well, it was a double-sided DVD where both sides had a movie on it. <laughs> and for the jerk, too, it says, put coffee on here. Yeah. Use this double as coaster. Double as yeah. coaster. <laughs> DVDs are so much better as coasters because, you know, VHS takes up most of your coffee table. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Although, he's going to get pushed off of, oh, he's dead. He is dead, but no, this is another thing that you either like or don't like. I don't know. In a movie world, right? He just coincidentally falls right where Ray is. And Ray's right. like, I told you I'd yeah. to Los Angeles, didn't I? I think the most notorious one was Hudson Hawk, mm -hmm. where he falls off a building, goes through an awning, hits the sidewalk, goes through the sidewalk, and lands on a couch inside an apartment building <laughs> yeah. where the villains are. Where the villains are. Yeah. Yeah, that's our that's the movie rule we always talk about. You only have six characters in your universe. So if you're going to fall off a, a, a building, uh, fall off a bridge, you're going to land in a, a haste truck with uh, Ray Winstone. Right, with. exactly. Who's playing at the Las Vegas? Let's see who's there. I would pause it and check it out. So Ooh, here Ray we Sanford have our, um, uh, you know, it, it, he, it's the, yeah, the typical taking him to Vegas and he's sort of like a savant. You know, I'm surprised that you don't see Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman here. So Ray is going right, to make his Hoffman. fortune with uh, Naven's poker playing abilities. That was my favorite part of The Hangover. One of my favorite parts of that, the first movie is that they take Zach Galifianakis to the casino knowing that he's going to rain man and, and win the money. Right. So it was just like, yeah, but he's going to rain man it, and he does. You know, it was, it was pretty funny. It was like the fastest joke I've ever seen. They just went right. They, they, their multiple of three was more multiple of one and a half. They I'll went put three, on four. some audio because he says some. Watch, he's going to annoy this patron. Watch this. Right. So now he gets his own coin. You know what's going to happen, right? Yes. Oh, I bet that he's not going to win the jackpot. Right. You can take my offer. Wait. <laughs> jackpot, jackpot, yeah, jackpot. Like, Damn it, three jackpots in a row. So, 
he thinks he's in trouble, right? And when he goes yeah. up to Ray, Ray goes, sounds like somebody broke the bank. And he's like, it's broken. Uh, things are rough all over. So he just leaves off. And I wonder how many. The dummy. I wonder how many shows that guy took from the Friday's set to, to make it to this movie. Yeah. Let's see. This was 84, probably shot in 83. I wish I could tell you because the internet won't tell me anything. Friday's was what? 80? Fridays, Fridays was like during that uh, terrible year of Saturday Night Live, yeah. 1980. Like once the season ended, they said, uh, everything's up for grabs. We'll just do our own. Yeah. And we'll shoot it in Los Angeles. Oh. And it lasted three seasons. which shot the fuck out of me. It, oh, it wasn't one season. It was three seasons? Three fucking seasons. Now, they did... Yeah, if you have the opportunity... They've been invited to a private poker game. And another friend of the really? show will open the door. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. It better be Garrett Griff. It better be Bud the Chud, too. Oh, hello. It's... It's Jimmy J.J. Walker from uh, Concord Airplane uh, Airport 79. Right. He goes, he, he thinks he's being recognized. Wait, is he playing himself? Yes, he is. And he goes, you know who you look like? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know. And he goes, my brother Harold from Hendersonville. Well, how weird. Quick, name another movie where Jimmy J.J. Walker plays himself. And you've seen it. I recommended it to you, and you hated me for, for saying I should watch it. Uh, Stars Robert De Niro. The comedian. Remember? He's like, hey, Jimmy, terrible. how's it going? Well, terrible. It's going all right, Bob. Now, wait, i got to interrupt you because we're going to see a lot of stars right now. All right. Rita Morana. Martin Mull. Well, he's out. He looked at all his rings are gone, Jimmy. So, as I told you, I looked up Steve Martin as an executive producer, and his he had a situation yes. comedy called Domestic Life starring Martin Mull that premiered on Channel 2. And I wonder if that's why he was in this film, because Steve Martin produced it. What a stretch. I also think that if they shot – well, this wasn't – I'm sure the exteriors were shot in Las Vegas, but this looks like L.A., and the interiors must have been L.A., Mm -hmm. so they must have just called up Martin. He walked down the street and did this. Now he was also in O.C. and Stiggs, another reference to uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I like how Chinatown has like the the Chinatown font, the China Dragon, the racist Chinatown font. Well, no, you know, it's, I guess that's what the we see all the time in Chinatown. What was that about? He just they, showed up and... He finally met up with his friend like he promised. And, um, you know, he's, he told him, just give me enough money to stake the kid and we'll meet you in L.A. And that's what's happening. So gotcha. Ray is rich, 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 rich off the back of Naven. And Naven is so naive, he doesn't even understand that. He's got this rich uh, uh, car... And he, he drops him off here and says, I'll be at the Plaza Suite. You know, we, we get surprised that it's like a rich house. You know, this is his pen pal. 
Oh yeah, he's trucking rich. Yeah. Oh, like I hope old Mike Diesel must be like, like thanking his lucky stars. It's the presidential suite at the Winchester Arms Hotel. So now he knows where Ray will be, and that's important for our plot. Okay, I'm glad we talked about it. Is this the end of Ray Winstone? Look, he, he knocked that guy's cigar. We think it is. Now watch. I'll be back. Ray gives him money. And then his friend goes, he's, who's from the West Indies, he goes, I never seen you give nobody man, any money, man. And he goes, it's not, Navis <laughs> just, just anybody. I'll play it. Uh, it isn't exactly touching, but... Yeah. So he genuinely likes Naven, but the thing is, yeah, he made him rich. Yeah. Oh, so uh, poor Naven, not going to get dumb stuff. Now look, fierce yeah. Doberman pinchers, fierce Doberman pinchers. But you said Naven is a friend to animals. Oh, they're like, oh, it's you, Naven. We're from, we like you. The deer in the forest told us about you. All right, look at that. <laughs> You're such a pretty girl. Yes, you are. So he's a jerk because he's good at cards and uh, dogs like him. Yeah, you okay. see, Steve Martin's a jerk never had these special abilities. Yeah. Sure, he could fly <laughs> in my mind. You know, one of the movies, uh, and I think it's still on YouTube, I talked about it on my brother's podcast, Proudly Revenge, is Hardly Working. Remember Jerry Lewis is hardly working. Came out in yeah, 1979. I do. So the advertising, the advertising says he's the original jerk, and there's a scene okay. where uh, he's because and it was like you know he pretends he's a, uh, a Benihana chef with the with the teeth, right. and uh, one of the things he does is he gets a job at the gas station, and. You remember the scene in the gas station and the jerk with the cans, right? Yes. With the can, with the, oh, yeah. So in the jerk, he just knocks over the cans. Well, he goes, and he hates jerk, these cans. Oh, oh. He hates these cans. Classic, right? So in the Jerry Lewis version, Jerry keeps knocking over the, the big pile of cans in the store mm -hmm. while the boss is just going. <sighs> yeah, frustrated. Yeah, so, you know, it's two different styles of comedy, but... Again, the jerk, the jerk does some amazing stuff. That movie is, I don't know, I just I like that film so much. It's really terrific. So they think he's the help. He's like, sure, I'll help. And then, so now he's like a waiter at this fancy buffet. Look at this. So who? This is me when I banquet over. So, yeah, so. Hey, let me put my finger on that. So th this uh, guy, Snotty, goes, are you planning to share those? And Naven's like, of course, I couldn't eat all these myself. <laughs> now he sees <laughs> Marie, his pen pal. Oh, where? She's, well, we'll see her step up in a minute. She's going to marry this count. Uh, he is French-Canadian, this guy. He's totally French-Canadian. He was really um, a, a, a soap opera star. All my children, loving, 
Um, Great. His name is Count Marco in the film, and he's Jean Leclerc. There's Marie, the daughter. Wow. And that's your father, right? She's not marrying that guy. Oh, Nate. And he's got no credits besides this film. You know what the real jerky thing to do is to start stripping on the fruit and laying your ass in the punch bowl on the, that's on the right. table. Yeah. I When that happened, I dropped my monocle. <laughs> now uh, we have a dreamy, like, you made it! She's so happy. Got a little Vaseline on the camera. Right. Thank you, director, for hitting us over the head. Now, this director, he's okay. He did Cooley High. 75. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, that's a great movie. Well, so he's Crush Groove. Crush Groove. I like Crush Groove too. And here's my favorite. This director, his name is Michael Schultz. He did Car Wash 76. He did Cooley High, Car Wash, and Crush Groove, and he's now reduced to doing the jerk too. Right, reduced. Yep. He needs like a, a a a medal of honor, man. Those those movies are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now the butler, and right? Then... Naven keeps on saying stupid things, and the butler thinks that he's on purpose making hilarious jokes. Oh, oh, we get to see naked Naven. In the shower. Well, he's wearing a kilt. Uh, they're called towels. Towels. Oh. That's not a Scottish thing. I don't want to wear the towel. I was thinking of Sir Billy's towel, the kilt. <laughs> we are just mentioning all the films that we've watched before. Well, Sir Billy you know was the our film show. You're with me. us. We'll never broadcast that episode. It was just such a bad movie. Yeah. I don't think Steve Martin had anything to do with this movie other than he got an executive producer credit and probably some money for this. Agree, agree. And I scoured the internet. You know, you go on a Google search. I was like on page 14, page 15. Give me something, internet. Yeah, but the problem is this is not a unique title, right? You type in the jerk too and you get like, let me jerk you off too. Or, you know, like that jerk killed no, I put in The Jerk 2, 1984, and I got references to this movie. But, I mean, IMDb and Wikipedia, when they laugh at your movie, you know nothing's going on. Right. You know, I think Shock Cinema might have talked about this film. I mean, I may have read about it, but I, I saw it when it came out. Uh, my brother and I watched it on TV in really? back in 84. Yeah, so this is, I mean, this is a nostalgic trip for me because I remember it was like a big deal. You know, TV movies of the week. Movie of the week on TV sometimes was a big deal. You know, you got to see Animal House. It was edited for content. Yeah. But it, you got to see, you know. So, you know, the opportunity to see the sequel to The Jerk on TV on a school night, you know. So Maria's like, would you like to, I talked to my parents and you could stay until the wedding. And he goes, well, only if you have enough room. And the the butler's like, ho, ho, sir, you slay me. Enough room, he says, ho, ho. So 
we find out that Marie, not Marie Osmond, Marie has hardly knows this, this uh, Count, Count Marco. They're getting married because the father thought it was a good idea because she'd become a countess, she'd move to Italy, she'd live in a castle. That's pretty good. So she is meeting him like at this thing tonight, you know, but she was very happy to meet her pen pal. And of course you can guess what's going to happen. So he, here we are. There's a running gag. It's like Navin, like will make everything a sandwich. That's he's making a club sandwich right now. So right now they're, they're kindling, they're getting to know each other and it's working well. And of course the count will be jealous of this. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna make her jealous to get her own pen his own pen pal. Aren't they kinda old for being pen pals? Yeah, well it started in the sixth grade. Gotcha, that's right, you mentioned that. I guess this movie is making look at that's a killer dagwood he made. Now he that's knows fine the horse family. from pen pals and the count is trying to ride the horse, but the horse is coming straight over to Navin. Yeah, because animals love Navin. Right. <laughs> You're going to hurt his feelings. Now watch him introduce himself. Okay. I'm naive. I'm naive. Yeah. Yeah. So he's Count of uh, Bosnia and, you know, Transylvania and all these places. And he's a man of title. So he's invited to st come to dinner and then i think he says something very funny he goes oh good thank god he'll be at dinner tonight <laughs> he says try to stay out of the punch bowl and they pretend like oh it's not funny what he said it is so funny it's great. Yeah, you never have an opportunity in life to say that, too, so he must have relished it. <laughs> Try to stay out of the punch a ball. You know, Carl, I was at a party, and I, I was like a wallflower. It was kind of awkward, and I figured to break the ice, I would do the classic prank, uh -huh. turd in the punch bowl. <laughs> and it was funny. It was, it was funny until everyone died of cholera. Yeah, oh, yeah, that can put a damper on the night. <laughs> So now he's jealous. Yeah. Find out he's sleeping with the maid. You know, we're being set up to not like him. Oh, thank God, because I was going to say, Navin's cutting into his action. Mm -hmm. Thank God. So he's the jerk, too. <laughs> also. As well. Also. <laughs> now, what's really happening here is like a first date. Right. And it's Isn't he friends to animals? Why is he fishing? Yeah, and Thank we're you for fishing. Cat now here's a joke 
Naven's got something. It's a, it's what, a boot? That would be perfect, but they were being original. Oh, this is 19... Oh. <laughs> Scuba diver. Chuck Chasso. Yeah, where did uh, they get Chuck a fishing pole? Where did they yeah. get a two-person bike? It's called a tandem. They did it in tandem. Yeah. Now look what happens. Keep falling on my head. Wee. And unlike Mr. Accident, she doesn't mind at all. She thinks Naven's great. Oh my God. We didn't, you know, we had just recently aired that episode when we watched Mr. Accident. Yep. I really liked that movie. I did too. Yeah. It could have been a lot worse. He could have been a lot cruder and he wasn't. Like he, he definitely has a grace to him that I like, you know, like he, and that there was, was no like was too bad. He went away. Yeah. Bring back Yahoo Serious. Right. And we saw him. Oh, you didn't see him. I found him on the internet. He's like sixty three and he looks old, man. Oh. Yeah. God, you know I always feel like when you watch an old silent movie that's usually them joking around in the park and they probably just shot it like outside the studio in the park. And then when I see movies like this, I go, Jesus Christ, you know? Like, does it really matter where they are? They just do their antics, you know? Right. The scene is in the location. The scene is them doing a stunt, you know? Right, and he did his own stunt there. He rolled out of that tree. I know. Well, thank God he was wearing suspenders or his dick might have fallen out of his pants. Yeah, if, if he has one. So... Now she has to go for the fitting of her wedding dress. And they're like, oh, I'll see you later. Oh, darn. And she's like, come with us, Naven. And he goes, no, I really need to write home to my parents, you know, my family. They got to write home. Yeah. And it's more of the uh, he thinks he's making jokes when he's really just being dumb. Now, Mike. Now, it's funny. The bubble. Yes. Finish your thought because I got something to show you. The butler looks like the butler from Training Places, 1983. Go ahead, Carl. Oh, yeah. That guy we saw yeah. in uh, uh, School for Sex. Um, okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. here is the weirdest thing ever, okay? All of a sudden, out of the blue, out of nowhere, I've never seen this in a movie ever, it becomes a musical. What about Magnolia when they sing one? Maybe you're right. I never saw it before. What about Meet Me in St. Louis? See, you should never read out loud in front of a homeless person. Right. They will just lean on your shoulder. So he's (laughs) saying, like, every time I'm around her, I get butterflies. I don't understand what's going on. There you go. All the blood rushes. You're not getting gorged. Oh, so she's trying to sing. Yeah, and look. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are you on a raft without a pattern? Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? 
will gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Anti-Trump is the antivirus or antibody to the Trump virus. We're a global alliance of humans standing up against the Trump brand. Antitrump.com started four years ago on March 19, 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better world. Nobody thought it was going to be this bad. Most of us probably figured it would just be four more years of the same old... He was a 70-year-old babbling Nimrod. How bad could it really be? Treason is the last of his felonious activities. The Trump brand has hijacked our government and sold Lady Liberty to the mob. We are a leaderless and without the most basic healthcare systems and community services. COVID-19 is a pandemic, but the Trump brand is the virus. Welcome to the antivirus. Go to antitrump.com and spread the word. Individual politics aren't important. What is important is that we stand together as a unified voice and say enough is enough. That's antitrump.com. Welcome to Strictly Bad Vibes, your personal complaint department. Um. What, what the hell are we talking about? Um, whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why do we do this? Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling. He was like, move it, bitch, move it, bitch. And, uh... And uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm just not, I'm not moving it, you know? I've arrived, why should I move? I don't like what work has been giving us at our free lunches. 115-340-1976, and it does not spell anything. 115-340-1976. Go for it. Call in, guys.
Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station. MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission. MutinyRadio.fm MutinyRadio.fm Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. Sam MutinyRadio.fm. Hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! San Francisco, Mutiny Radio, San Francisco, Mutiny Radio, San Francisco, Mutiny Radio, San Francisco, Mutiny Radio, San Francisco, Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for mere fun. $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I used to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. 
But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak ceiling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Let's Spiegelman. We're hosts of <laughs> YouTube uh, with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, 5%. 5% yeah, right. I'm so time. lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show, 5 p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh. Let's watch full-length movies. Let's do a full-minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See you next time. I was just leaving the theater. Convertible 1969 gold Cadillac with the white interior. And I started to do some thinking. on the freeway and having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Looking big spliffs and cruising. Saturday noon to two. On the freeway. Good to see you. I am a total from Laurie Stanton. Her voice is absolutely right. I am petty, bellious, and adolescent. And I will cut Hello, the Henry! Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Decide what I want you if you want no if you want Wally if you want to no you want to do. And do it. Do it. Do it. Salesman. Who's more famous? The motherfucker that did shit first, or the kid who named it? Had to stop. Can't manage only your plans for how the money got Polly got talking sloppy as the party star Enter the prestige when they get me Or probably not My dying fool blow Christopher Cologne broke Or so high more fly than a Cosmo rock Open your mind on wide Caught a body block World ain't confined by the sky We revolving on Dope not defined by the wild price somebody bought When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. I'm so excited. Today is a little bit different. I am pre-recording some Call Me Tim 
because I have the most exciting interview that I've ever had on Some Call Me Tim. Well, today on Some Call Me Tim, I actually have Wania, the bow of season six alone. How did that happen? Oh, things happen on Netflix, and then get into them, and then, oh, you get on Facebook, and they're real people. She's a real person. She answered her fan mail, because I am a super fan. It's hard for me to express. I don't want to tell her this stuff, because it's weird, but she'll hear it on the thing later, but I'm I used to be a reality TV junkie. Before I started living like an authentic life that I wanted to live and spent my time the way I thought it should be spent to like make the universe and my universe and the whole situation better, I spent a lot of time watching screens and being really into reality TV. And in my late 20s, early 30s, I would say that it was my main goal in my life to be on a reality TV show. Now I look back at that and I think like, oh, maybe my reasons were a little more vapid or, but this alone show is no joke. If you haven't checked it out on Netflix yet, season six, wow. Like it's people surviving, sur thriving, as Wonia will put it on her, uh, alone. They have cameras, their own cameras. Nobody's filming them. They're filming themselves and they're surviving and they're making their own water or food, finding it, building a shelter. It's like crazy, but great, not pejoratively crazy. Like, wow, like superhero stuff. Living the way I would pretend as a child, like in my backyard, like, oh, look what I'm doing. But they're really out there. 73 days she was out there for 73 days and I'm watching the show and I'm crying and I'm crying and there's all these amazing moments she's dancing with the sun and she's squirrels thanking the squirrels and being so grateful to everything she ate and just like and I'm crying I mean oh it was just it was amazing and she's a woman there were so many women out there and I was so impressed because I just, when it started, I was like, oh, three women. And she's a feminist superhero. And I can't wait to ask her so many questions. She's calling like right now, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen like right now. Okay, I'm like, I did this, I started it a little bit early before she called because I was trying to like center myself so I wouldn't fangirl out on like the explanation of Alone before I started for those of you who haven't seen the show. It's not like regular reality TV, let's put it that way. I mean, it is in that they edited things heavily and I wanna ask Winia quite a bit about what they left out and I watched, she has a YouTube channel on Buckskin Revolution where you can watch the Alone series and listen to her as she unpacks each episode um, and says like the things that she could say and couldn't say because I guess they had a, a DNR or something about the show. I guess reality TV shows do that. You can't release anything before it happens on the TV. But 
Uh, she has her Buckskin Revolution channel that you should check out on YouTube, where she also teaches life skills. There she is! There she is! Okay. 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 Here she is. Okay. Oh, see, I already made a mistake. Hi, Winia. Hi, Sam. How are you? I, I already fangirled out a little bit to the audience before you called to like calm myself down and sort of like uh -huh. explain what alone is for maybe some of the people that hadn't seen it. But you're more than alone. Uh -huh. That's the thing, too. I didn't want to just like talk about alone today. Hi. Okay. Okay. I'm calm. I'm together. You're so cool. I'm just like over the moon oh, to like. I mean, you didn't even have snare wire, and you caught rabbits? Okay. I know. I actually got a snarky comment on my YouTube channel today about how bad I did and how they couldn't believe I couldn't catch fish in a lake that was teeming with fish and how bad my trapping was. And it's so funny what people think they know about a thing. Like, they didn't really advertise that I don't have snare wire, so most people have no idea that that was one of the challenges that was going on. You had no fish. Well, that's – and they mentioned that at some point, that each – place that they dropped people each campsite is the wrong word each place in the wilderness where you had the opportunity to live they were all different and so some had fish right. and some had you had uh squirrels and rabbits and berries not everybody had berries right like i had less berries than most people i think actually because i didn't have much in the way of blueberries you know, every site was different for sure yeah but it wasn't really true that like they all had equal resources they tried to give them the best you know they tried to make it the best swath and distribute the sites as well as possible but some sites had way more resources than others for sure yeah well which would you have that's the, of the job that's the real world right <laughs> it's we... not Disneyland it's the wild which which uh which which site would you have wanted to be on watching it after would you have said oh if I would have been there did you have even that thought of like oh if I would have been in that no. spot I mean, the thought that had I been in a spot with more resources, mm -hmm. I could have done better and stayed longer. But I was in love with the place that I was. And when you're out there, you don't you have absolutely no idea what what other sites are like and what other people have access to. And there's really no point thinking about what you don't have because that doesn't fit you anywhere. Right. Well, but isn't that what you can do with what you've got? That's a mindset I think that we have in our real lives here all the time is that when we focus on the things that we that someone else has or that we don't have and then it creates like suffering and misery that doesn't even need to be there. It's like what we can exactly. appreciate our own stuff. Okay, so first I have questions not about alone. Where does your <laughs> name where does Wania come from? What is the derivation of your super cool name? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the story of it is um, one that is interesting and not necessarily super cool. Um, so when I was a teenager, um, when I was uh, 19, I went and I did a summer course. There was a backpacking field study. So it was eight weeks backpacking in the mounds of Idaho, which was amazing. And one of the traditions of the course was that everyone take a, a trail name during that time. Um, just to kind of set it aside as a thing separate from your normal life. And so I did that, and I was really interested in ancestral skills and starting to learn more of these life ways that are the things that I'm into now. And I found a book of Lakota stories, and um, Lonia was a name. I wanted something that sounded beautiful and had a beautiful meaning and was something that I really identified with. And, um, and so 
Romia is a really powerful word that means um, like the life spirit when it's not incorporated in the body. It means the breath of life. And so I took that on as my trail name. And after, after going by it for so long, and it was a very, very transformative summer, um, I decided to keep that as my name. And so the, the not pretty part of it is that that's totally cultural appropriation. Oh. And I, you know, I was a young woman and I didn't really have that lens and I didn't understand, you know, I had no concept of that or why it might not be a great choice. So, um, so that's where Wonia comes from, is from a young woman who just named herself uh, a word from another tradition that wasn't her own. And I do think it's beautiful and I do really identify with it. And it's not a choice that I would make today, but I've gone by that longer than I went by the name I was given. And also I feel like it's a way to introduce it's that keeping that name um, brings up the conversation yeah. and allows me to talk about the concept of cultural appropriation and just like changing it back would be like uh, letting myself off the hook and pretending that I didn't make an inappropriate choice when I didn't know any better. And it gives me this kind of like this way of addressing such issues from a place of humility as someone who gets it because they've done that. So, um, yeah, so it's a great question and it's not, you know, um, yeah, it's not always an easy subject for me to talk about because of that reason. Do you, do you feel like you've earned the name now that you have embodied all these ancestral skills, almost like you could call yourself a, a, bunny or a rabbit name at this point because you ate so many like you you even said on the there was one of the things they actually showed that you're like I'm part rabbit now <laughs> like I'm or that all of yeah, your cells absolutely. were so do you feel like through the time that you've spent being like because you have integrity with these skills that you're that you've embodied and then you're, you're living and you're teaching it, does that remove or do you still feel yeah, some of that no, I don't, I don't think that there's any earning a thing that is, you know, something that I took without permission, uh, you know? So, I mean, wow. I think that it's not an inappropriate name if you look at it in that way, but if you look at it through the lens of cultural appropriation, yeah. I don't think that, you know, that there is anything that just changes. I mean, sure, I think that someone who didn't have a relationship with the skills and wasn't aware of these concepts, maybe it would be a less appropriate thing for, or it would be more harmful for someone else. But I don't feel like that makes it just okay. You know, not unless I had, you know, and, and I, and I've spoken to Lakota people about this too. So it's not completely without relationship to Lakota people. Um, but you know, yeah, that no, I can hey. people who are all going to have really different opinions about it. So, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's not it's for an, me to say whether or not I earned it. I guess is the is the bottom line. It's an appropriate. It's an important conversation. Like, because since we're in this crazy time of, uh, I mean, what's happening with our world right now? There's so, but to even just to recognize a situation, it's like for me in white guilt. Like, I have to constantly come up against it and say, "Yeah, I'm." Oh, did I lose you? I lost you. You're back. I know. Sorry about that. No, hey, it's all good. Cell phone here, so. And you're out. In, you're up there in the mountains in Grass Valley. Okay, so here's my next question: How are you friends with a giant okay. cat? <laughs> the the profile shot. Yeah, the, the picture the of the. You you're looking that? at the. You're looking mm-hmm. into the eyes of this enormous cat. I, I'm a cat person. I'm a crazy cat lady. Like I love cats. And I saw that picture. I'm like, how are you friends with a giant cat? I mean, that's actually a pretty small bobcat as they go. Um, 
<laughs> so large, large compared to house cats, but that was a cat that had been hit on the road. Oh. Um, so that cat was no longer alive. Oh, really? I thought you were looking deeply yeah. into the eyes of a cat. See, look at me. I completely I misinterpreted the picture. You were. I mean, I was doing that. Yeah. yeah. That, that's all still true. So... And so for me, when I was watching you, I was so affected and I kept like kind of putting myself where you were. It was so, oh, it was so incredible because you're filming yourself and it's like so intimate because it was almost like I was with you and that's got to be weird right. for you. And I'm wondering how like that affected you with the camera and the intimacy. But also when I was watching you, I kept thinking I could never... And you, there were times where you'd pick up an animal and look at it and be like, thank you, thank you, thank you for feeding me. And and you had to be like intimate with that animal and pull off its skin and do all that stuff. Is that, I mean, how do you do that? I, I, I Maybe I'm just so removed from <laughs> survival in life that like I just couldn't imagine. I mean, I was watching you do it and that was hard for me. Like. I, when I saw Jordan with the Wolverine and I saw his little face and his teeth and I was like, I'm making myself watch this. But like, how did, was that interacting with you? With Were you just so grateful for the food that it wasn't, or that's just not freaky for you? It's just not freaky for me. That's been a part of my life for a really long time. You know, I've raised my own meat animals, um, you know, and I was vegetarian and vegan at one point. So I was like very anti-hunting and PETA and vegetarian in high school. Um, but once I started being introduced to ancestral skills and, you know, I went right from being vegan to processing and eating roadkill. Um, and I'm, you know, I have a science background and a deep connection with animals and it's never, it has never felt like a juxtaposition to me to love and feel connected to a wild creature and to, you know, in it and break down its body for food and eat it. That is the most natural thing in the world to me. And to me, the barriers that our society puts up and the, the removal from our food source, that's what feels weird and wrong to me. Um, so, yeah, it certainly was not an issue for me out there and nor in my life in general. See, I um, I, I cook. One of the things I do for a living is I, I, I cook. I have no problem if an animal has no head. Like I can – I've processed so many <laughs> birds. I've deboned so many birds in my time. Like it's – but if they have a head, I can't do it. And, and I think maybe it must be something to do with the way I was raised and I was so far removed. Even when I am working with a food source, I'm still removed from it, even when it's whole. So right. Uh, talk a little bit about Buckskin Revolution and what you're doing to try to create that connection again with people and the way we should – I don't want to say should be living our lives. That's weird, but the way we did for – thousands of years and then it's just this little tiny little bit here at the end where we're so removed from it exactly right yeah um so yeah i mean you've kind of you've hit the nail on the head there that my work with buckskin revolution is to kind of um invite people back into that place of connection not just with the world around them um but with our own selves with our human communities and with with our ancestry as humans and what it is that we evolved to do. And absolutely the bodies that we live in evolved over the course of hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years to, to allow us to engage deeply with the world around us. And it's only been a few hundred years that that's completely shifted to where we no longer need a lot of these senses that we evolved with. And I think that 
you know, the malaise that we see in our modern society and so many people who are unsatisfied and, you know, dealing with depression and feel like there's something missing from their lives. I believe that that is because we are living lives that are so different from what we evolved to do. And that does, you know, that does leave a feeling of something missing. You know, we have all of these amazing sensory perceptions that are about engaging with the world around us. And instead, we engage with screens, you know, 12 inches from our faces, and we fill our senses with noises. And, you know, like right now, there's a helicopter overhead, and I can hear the highway. And, you know, my ears evolved to the frequency of birdsong. And knowing what's going on in the forest around me through paying attention to what the birds are doing. And, um, yeah, I think that the degree to which we engage those skills, those senses, those parts of our body, you know, just our hands in, in fashioning things that we need for our lives, there's something deeply fulfilling about that, you know, on a level that we don't even really know how to verbalize. Um, Crafting, well, that, it's that's making... That's what I'm trying to share. When, when humans, I mean, we as humans, all we really have is the ability to create things, right? Either thought or stuff. And I feel like, and watching you craft, it's, uh, that was the thing. Okay. So at the beginning of the show, they don't show you for like two weeks and I get it. It's a reality right. TV show and they had to show the people that were going to break their leg and get kicked off. And they had to show their stories a little <laughs> bit because they were leaving and you were going to be there forever. But all those things that we didn't get to see, like you were just sitting on the ground weaving baskets for two weeks or like what was because you were I mean obviously you were doing things you were there's a lot going on in those first couple of weeks yeah so it was all like um, building your amazing shelter which was like the best shelter I was like I want to live there that's <laughs> it was it looked warm and snug and like a real little house but you were like mm -hmm. literally crafting all the time yeah I mean when you weren't looking uh, for well, there's all or... kinds of things I mean it's it's hard to sum up it was a huge time you know I mean it starts off with the most important thing that you can be doing is, yeah, getting your shelter set and then starting to, to key into your environment and where the food sources are and strategizing how you're going to avail yourself of those. So the, that was what, you know, my first couple days were scouting my site and deciding where to set up my shelter and um, being sure that I was in the best possible location and then starting to build. And, you know, we, we had snow on day three, oh. so it was full on from the very beginning. And so I was constantly in this place of trying to balance food, resources, and shelter. And, you know, when I woke up covered in snow, obviously that's going to nudge me to prioritize shelter um, for that day. Um, but always trying to hold both of those things. And um, certainly the first few days were more focused on shelter for me because I knew that my body still had a lot of calories in it because yeah. we had been gorging up until we left. So I knew that my system had as much energy, you know, at the very beginning as I was likely to have. Um, and so I wanted to really focus on shelter at first while I knew I still had those, those you know, glycogen stores in my liver. Um, wow. <laughs> and, um, but by day four, I started hitting fishing really hard. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, um, doing, you know, doing a lot more focus on fishing until it became increasingly clear that I was not in a location that had fish. Right. Um, you just had very, very shallow water. That must have been so frustrating that you crafted all those lures and you were out there and just sitting for hours. I mean, were you listening to the birds? Like, did you, you just. I mean, I was doing it. 
No, <laughs> I was constantly, constantly active, doing everything I possibly could to improve my situation every daylight hour and well into the night by headlamp. There was no downtime and listening to birds. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> but like the... that's something that I was doing as I was doing everything oh, else, gotcha. you know, like part of my awareness would be there. But, um, but no, constantly, you How... know, bringing in firewood, working on the shelter, you know, strategizing new ways to, to try to make fishing happening, finding, you know, scouting the landscape and seeing whether there were any other better places for fishing, going, you know, making a moose call and going into the woods and calling moose. I mean, I was, I was splitting my strategy between fishing and bringing in moose, but, that, and, you know, you were asking like, what were the resources that I had? My site was very resource scarce compared to a lot of the other sites. I didn't have big game. You know, I was hoping for problems with bears because I had a bow, 45 pound bow and broadheads, and I would have been thrilled to have bears sniffing around my camp. And that happened with a lot of other people, but that's not, you know, I was on a narrow rocky peninsula with no fish and no big game and really actually very scarce small game because it was, you know, mostly bare rocks. Right. Um, I, so in terms of, you asked earlier, in terms of resources, somewhere like Jordan's area where he had fish and big game and a ton of small game. I mean, he was in an area that had been burned a couple years before, which means there's a ton of vegetation regrowth. It's one of the most abundant sites that, you know, that you can possibly have. Um, and mine, in contrast, was a bare rocky peninsula surrounded by shallow water. Right, so, with where you yeah. got to – now, here's another question I have. Uh, what's your dance background? And I was so bummed that they only showed you once <laughs> with your – because I, I watched all of your YouTubes after, and you're like, I was dancing every night I had a dance party until the last week. and um, Not every night, once a week. Once, once a, week. a week, oh, okay. But you sang the sun yeah. up every morning. I, I sang the sun down There's, every evening. You sang the sun down. Um, yeah. But these were rituals. I sang the sun up a lot of mornings, but not every morning because okay. mornings were a lot more challenging, frankly. What, was it just, it was so <laughs> maybe cold? Maybe all the more reason. Was it getting out of bed was just yeah, so difficult? Yeah, it was cold. Yeah, it yeah. was cold. I mean, <laughs> as time went on, things shifted, you know, like starving for weeks on end um, and really, really cold temperatures and not sleeping well because generally when one is um, really undernourished and in ketosis, it tends to affect their sleep patterns. Um, so, so yeah, but getting out of a sleeping bag into minus 20 degrees oh. and you haven't had anything to eat for weeks is challenging. Yeah. So I'm, and my voice is a little more croaky in the morning. So, wow. <laughs> so my right, singing practice singing. is more sure. consistent in the evenings than in the morning. And, but these were rituals. So this is kind of goes back to the ancestral thing. So you were creating rituals for yourself out there. And is that what? like helped keep you grounded in and like what what would what did you find Cause i also you also made ancestral plates like you said that when you were cooking your food you were like how did i don't want to like say like how did that witchy stuff help you but I, I mean i'm into it too so but you were you were performing all of these rituals how did that like bolster your attitude and your how you were spending out there because i didn't see anybody else like doing rituals like that yeah, I mean, you know, I think that um, I think that ritual has a certain connotation, which isn't necessarily how I would describe it. I mean, I think that it has a lot of connotations, some that fit and some that don't. But I would say, yeah, I mean, definitely I wove into my life a lot of practices that reminded me to be coming from a place of gratitude and connection. Um, 
I just, you know, like I, I've posted videos about making blood pudding and have some people say that I'm like doing satanic practices or something. So I'm literally would describe it. I mean, I think that has a lot of connotations, some that fit and some that don't. But I would say, yeah, I mean, definitely I wove into my life a lot of practices that reminded me to be coming from a place of gratitude and connection. Um, I just, you know, like I, I've posted videos.